Hi, I'm Michael Croker, and this is Park Life. I've worked in the Australian theme park industry for a little over 30 years. And in this podcast series, I spend time in conversation with the people inside the business of making memories. Thanks for joining me. I hope you can subscribe, rate and review. Enjoy the ride. Andrew Cripps is a talented young performer within the Village Roadshow theme park family. But it's also his dedication to bringing attention to matters of mental health in young people that I think you'll find both fascinating and inspiring. Here's our recent conversation. So right now I am a show announcer and performer at both Movie World and SeaWorld. Um, I dabble in a few different things. Uh, I do the Hollywood Stunt Driver show here. I play the role of both Morgan and Dave. I do the Western show as well. I play Bart and Rufus. And at SeaWorld, I announce the Dolphin and Seal show. So you would never get bored? No, it's busy all the time. <laughs> what, what year did you start? I started about two and a half years ago now. And what were you doing before theme parks? Before theme parks. So it's a, it's a bit of a funny story. Uh, I, I did the classic kind of drama and film and musical theatre going through primary primary and high school. Yeah. And that was great. I kind of knew at a young age what I wanted to do, but I never had the, the classic universal degree, um, sorry, university degree study in terms of acting and, and performing. Yeah. Um, I just did the odd job here and there, but it took me a few years to finally... I guess, build up the courage to do something like this. Just which, in that space. So, yeah. Because what you're talking about there, I think, is not unique. I can relate to it completely. Yeah. And I've spoken to some other people during this process who tell a similar story. It's almost an instinctive thing that's in you. Mm. And while you may not have had the, the formal training to in those early years to pull it out and sharpen it up, it's, it's in you and you know you have to get it out. Yeah. So just to stay in that space for a moment and go back, where do you think that comes from? Were you, when you were growing up, were you surrounded by any kind of popular culture? Was there music in the house? Where did that love for that side of you come from? Yeah, so I, I'm a, a massive believer in that we're all born with something. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily a, a talent or a gift, but maybe an idea. Yep. An idea of where you're heading in life and, and who you are and what you want to do. My earliest memory, and, I, and I've believed this for so many years, I think the exact moment from when I was like, okay, I want to get into film, was when I watched the first Jurassic Park movie. That is 100% my earliest memory. I, I truly believe that was the moment. Um, my mum sat me down in front of the first Jurassic Park movie, and I was just stunned by what I was watching. Mm. You know, it was crazy good. And, but most importantly, other than the story itself, and how terrific it looked, it was more so about the behind the scenes. You know, I very quickly found myself wanting to figure out how they did that, you know, how they brought the dinosaurs back to life. Mm -hmm. Oh, that, that angle there looks cool. I wonder how they shot that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's all these different elements that go into making a film, and I thought that was so interesting. And that is the moment when I started going on this journey of wanting to be a part of that. Yeah. And I've got some hilarious memories, but I used to, um, milk bottles you know two liter milk bottles yeah i used to cut the end out 
and and take the cap off and pretend I was looking through a cinema camera. Right. And I did that for years yeah. in the backyard, pretending that I was shooting movies with my mum. You know, I'd tape the milk bottle to this this big wooden stick and pretend that I was holding, you know, this crane camera and, you know, had all these different elements and I would build studios under the house and you know I'd, I'd have these curtains acting as a as a green screen and a blue screen and that's you know right. i was doing all this woodwork and yeah. that's that's kind of where that journey started yeah. yeah yeah isn't that funny there's something in people the human experience about storytelling yeah and in the power of story that can inspire others to want to capture some essence of a story and create something of their own mm. which is obviously what was happening to you at a very young yeah. age so as you get a little older, where did you find a creative outlet? So for me, I, I'm a very hyperactive kid. <laughs> so it is important for me to be active all yeah. the time. Uh, for me, coming from a family that isn't from a film background, um, I am the only one uh, that comes from, I guess, the arts. Uh, so. It wasn't always necessarily a case of them being able to understand my route, you know. They would do the absolute best they could to to help me in those areas. But, you know, this to them is so new. So I found myself doing a lot of self-research. In that space, I had parents that were both military. So yes, they were yes. both Royal Australian Air Force. And Dad was a warrant officer, disciplinary, and had risen through the ranks. And similarly, I was doing community theatre, wanting to go off and do community radio, and, and I was writing poetry and, and writing stories in my own time. And I think equally, that was a little challenging for them too, because it was not in the zone of where they were particularly. So how did you, how did you find your way through that and persevere? I, I spent a lot of time developing my own skill set by using the good old internet, <laughs> a lot of internet time, but also I'm, I'm very much a believer in and I work best in a physical environment. So being at a young age, being so new to it, I would create the work. Yeah. Meaning, you know, I had this really cheap camera. I didn't have a lot of gear. I would build things. You know, I remember building little miniature sets and learning things as I went. That for me was a big contributor in terms of where I am at now is when there is no work, you create the work. I, I'm a self learner. I spent a lot of time researching and, and thank you internet for that because I might not be here um, where I am now if it wasn't for that because I didn't have access to, you know, all these courses and, you know, um, I didn't have a lot of friends that were involved with film. So it was very much on my own in that respect. But, you know, once again, going back to film, watching movies, mm -hmm. that's where the inspiration comes from. Mm -hmm. You watch a movie, you feel inspired by that movie, you want to know how they made that. And, and so you find that out. And then it's, it's all about self-progress. Yeah. What about the specific craft of performance mm. for you as, yeah. a, as, a, as an actor? You talked a little earlier about the diversity of the roles across the parts. Mm. But if we were to go back in time, what, what were some of the earlier parts you were playing and, and where and how were you doing that? Yeah, so I, I kind of dabble in a few different areas. And, and still to this day, you know, I love being behind camera and I love performing. So I'm trying to find that, that balance. But trying to feed all my energy into one area can be difficult sometimes. So s sitting here in front of you right now, I'm still trying to find um, the right amount of what makes a good performer. 
So for me right now, I am, I'm sorry, what was the question? I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> you, made me, you made me remember a person I knew many years ago who was a, an acting coach in Sydney. Yeah. And the more I spend time with creatives, the more I see a common thread, regardless of who they are, their background, their gender. He was a guy that he always had his creative kitchen working overtime. So if he wasn't writing, he was producing. If he wasn't producing, he was lecturing at the National Institute of Dramatic Art in Sydney. If he wasn't doing that, he was facilitating short drama courses out of Fox Studios. If he wasn't doing that, he had an agent, and he was casting and he was in performance. And we were talking one afternoon and I remember him saying, I just have so many things going at once. I just wish I could zero mm. in on the one yes. thing. And I said to him, you remind me of someone that's got a kitchen cooking with all these different meals and they're all largely good. But wouldn't it be nice if one was just really great? Because if you could just say, you know what, I'm going to finish that dish that's right there in front of me. I know there's several others going at the moment, but I'm just going to turn those down and put all my attention on this one meal and I'm going to make you a meal you'll never forget. And we both laughed about that and we both understood what that meant is that it was hard just to say yeah I'm just going to do this one thing and I'm just going to do it really really well because the mind is so filled with these sparks of mm -hmm. other things that wouldn't it be great if and how come you're not why don't you try that so it's almost uh, a case of trying to steady all of that and channeling that creative energy into one particular space when you got to the point of again focusing on performance was there one particular performance you remembered having or one role, one moment in time where you thought, ah, I can do this and, I, and, it, and it grew the confidence? Was there a moment you can remember as a younger man where that started to happen? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say there is a, a definitive moment, but definitely in high school doing musical theatre and, and drama class and realising that, hey, maybe there is a slight possibility that this is my thing you know this is where i'm most happiest this is where i can really make a career out of this for me it's never been about money mm. it's always about happiness mm. and that is that is one of my biggest rules in life go with happiness not the money mm. and, and money will usually follow if that's the path you're meant to be on exactly rather than it being the focus and the distraction you know i've known a lot of people that chase money that have been largely unhappy for a very long time. Yeah. And had money along the way. Yeah. And so I completely agree with you. So sorry to stop your flow. No, no, that's okay. And you know, that's, that's a very good point, you know, and, and money doesn't always bring happiness. Mm. But if you can do something with your life that you know ultimately will make you happy, then that's the thing that you should do. You know, we all know that, you know, as, as actors or even, even in the film industry as a whole, sometimes there can be a lot of work and sometimes there could be no work at all. But if it's the thing that makes you happy, you will find the work and you can do little gigs and things in between and different jobs. And that's what I've done for a very long time. But you got to stick with what makes you happy. Where did that come from? This idea of following mm. your bliss, which is essentially what we're talking about. Was, was there mentorship? around you when you were younger that that idea made sense or was it just intuitively in you this realization of i'm just going to chase what brings me joy look i feel like it has been within me kind of since birth i would say and and you know once again i i truly believe that because i've always had that mentality i've always had that idea but i also try and surround myself with positive people mm. not necessarily in a physical presence as well but the wonders of the internet right now, I try and keep up to date with a lot of motivational content. 
You know, it's so important to have that inspiration with you each and every day to take you to where you want to get. Mentorship is very important as well, especially in this industry. When there is no work, as I said, create the work or go and volunteer. You know, once again, it's not about money. It's about getting out there, getting the experience. That's what it's about. So if you can put yourself out there on a set or, or whatever job or gig it might be, even if it's for free, at least you're learning along the way and you are inspiring yourself to be a bigger and better person. Did you have moments like that along your journey where you were throwing yourself into these different opportunities? Can you give me some examples? Yeah, 100%. And, and look, to be fair, I still am. Yeah. You know, I still, I still am to this day. Yeah. Um, I've worked a lot of... Um, in my head, mediocre jobs where I'm not happy, mm -hmm. but I had to do that to be able to survive on that, you know, kind of on that financial playing field. Mm -hmm. But while doing that, I, I can still volunteer on, on sets around the area, you know, things as simple as emailing productions and saying, hi, my name is Andrew, mm -hmm. you know, have you got any production assistant work? Have you got any AD work where I can volunteer and, and help assist? Great. Even if it's a running job. You know, I'm still doing this to this day because right. every little bit of like work like that can really go a long way. And that's where you meet people. Mm. Yeah, it can be as simple as that. Yeah, you don't want to lose that no. that ability to do that. So what what was the last job before you ended up in theme parks? Mm -hmm. what, what were you doing? So this, this, this again is a, is a very funny story and, and I'm so thankful for everything that's happened because I found myself in a rut for about four years mm -hmm. where I was working office jobs. I've done just about every job that you could think of. I've worked as a laborer, I've worked in construction, I've worked in sales, I've worked in the office. Wow. And I was working in an office for about a year and I was so depressed. I was so down, I was so low, my spark has just left me. And I remember the exact moment where I was like, this isn't me, this isn't my life. You know, I don't want to feel this way. I'm, I'm not doing anything that I said that when I was a kid that I wanted to do. I'm not fulfilling my dream at all. I've just absolutely given up and I'm stuck. So I was sitting there and I remember this very vividly. I was looking at the, uh, the Village Roadshow theme parks website. I was like, oh, I wonder if there's any jobs going. And there was a job for a show announcer going. And I ended up emailing Chris Grew. And I said, hi, um, you know, I'm really interested in this, in this audition. Have you got any details on it? And then he, he came back to me not too long after and he said, here's the details, here's the audition and I'll see you then. I was like, okay, great. And I went there on the audition. I remember um, pulling a sickie and, <laughs> and, and coming into the audition. And I did the audition and then a couple of days later I got the job. <clears throat> I'm just wondering at that point if we should just mention if we have any international listeners what the phrase pulling a sickie <laughs> yeah. might mean. Yeah, well. It's an Australian phrase for I'm going to call in sick. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> pulling, pulling a sickie. Uh, I'm glad yeah. we got that established. You get to the audition. Yeah. What so, was that process like? So for me, as I said, I was in a rut for about four years where I didn't do much training or have much work. Mm -hmm. So here I am walking into the audition going, no, I've got this. Mm. I've so got this. You know, this is, this is who I am. This is where I'm meant to be. And I've, you hadn't have been sharpening your tools. No, I no. haven't. I haven't. So I got into the audition mm -hmm. with the mentality of, I've got this. And then realized I haven't got this. Yeah. <laughs> because I haven't been sharpening my tools, like you said. Yeah. So I did the audition. had fun. I did the absolute best that I could do. And thankfully, it was just enough to get me over the finishing line. Right. But 
you know, this is also a very good point to touch on as well, is no matter what you're doing, you should always be sharpening your tools mm -hmm. because opportunities come, can come up just as quick as they did like that and you don't want to ruin an opportunity like that that comes up once in a lifetime. The, the thing I think is to always be working even when you're not working. 100%. So even when there's no audience and there's no immediate validation to give you that dopamine hit, you do the work when no one's around. Yeah. So that when opportunity comes, what do they say? With, uh, luck is nothing more than opportunity meeting preparation. Mm. So the idea is that you don't wait to fake it in the moment. Exactly. And expect uh, that the door will open. Yeah. Be ready, ready behind the scenes and doing the work. Yeah. So that's a terrific, a terrific point to make. You get in and what's the very first thing that you're tasked with doing? Yeah, so I started out um, on day one show announcing for the dolphin and seal presentation. Um, now, once again, you know, thinking, oh, I've got a couple of years experience, you know, I'll, I'll be fine. It was just a whole nother world, you know. I, I remember a very fond memory as well. The, I think it was the first show that I ever got signed off was was the um, the jet ski stunt show. Yeah. Um, and I remember doing a, a a duo, and that and you know that's how they would sign it off back then, going out there. So I had someone to kind of back me up if I were to forget where I was at, or or you know I needed a little bit of a hand. So it's a two-hander host show. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, but generally it'd just be a solo show. So, you know, I've done all this preparation and I've, I've learned the script and, you know, I think I've really got it and then I go down there and, you know, the anxiety kicks in and, oh, I haven't done this in a very long time. I've, ne I never, I've never done anything like that, let alone it's been a few years since I've actually ever kind of got it on mic. So this was a completely new environment to me. And I remember getting down there and just feeling so green, you know, just so new and I went down there and I lost where I was at. I was very anxious. It was a big crowd and I wasn't used to it. And I'll say that I'm glad I had someone else there yeah. with me because it was horrible. I was terrible. I, I was mumbling. It was, it when was you bad. Have, when you have an experience like that, as public as that kind of work is, mm. What did you do? Did you, do you go away and then regroup? Because a lot of people would simply say, fine, I'm walking away. Did you kind of know, look, it's in me. I'm just going to have to dig in and do the work. A hundred percent, yeah. I knew that it was within me. Because, I mean, as I, as I said, I know that this is my life. This mm. is my idea of where I want to be. Mm. And, you know, I want to do each and everything I can do in order to get to that point. So I knew that I could do it. But it came down to, once again, sharpening your tools. Mm. And that's something that I, I lost. So I made sure that after that experience, that would never happen again. <laughs> and I, I definitely made sure of that. So I made sure I was training. Um, I was doing script work. I was doing stuff outside of work as well. And bouncing off other performers as well and saying, you know, um, is this good? Is this bad? You know, what would you do, do in this situation? Mm -hmm. So I made sure that I was constantly working on my craft. Yeah. I was talking recently with Chris Grew, who you mentioned earlier, who will pop up in the, the series of, of Park Life as well. We talked about the fact that if there's no humility, there's no opportunity to learn. You have to bring humility into learning. Mm. And I think for, for performers particularly, that can be challenging. Yeah. But you have to bring humility in if you're going to allow education in. Yeah. And I think the great thing, having had a similar trajectory to you, at SeaWorld was that environment will force you into some humility very quickly. Yes. Because if you're going to stand down there on mic in front of a 
two and a half, three thousand seat arena and be the only voice, knowing that at any moment it can all stop behind you, and the only thing you have then are your wits yeah. and your sense of presence to then hold that audience and bring them across the line. That only comes about if you're able to demonstrate some humility in the first place before you can get to that point of confidence where I can stand alone here and hold this together yeah. because I understand the space I'm in. I have a knowledge, a working knowledge of the animals, a working knowledge of the ski show disciplines and I can talk ad nauseum about them confidently to you regardless of whether the show is running or not. How long did you spend, you're still working at SeaWorld currently, yes. but when does the, the Warner Brothers Movie World opportunity happen and what does that look like for you? Uh, so it was, oh, it was a few months after I started working at SeaWorld that I got offered a, a placement here at Movie World as well, um, doing Dave and Morgan for Hollywood Stunt Driver 2. Um, now I was super excited for that because I remember when I was a kid coming into Movie World all the time, you know, this, this place for me is so iconic and it played a big role when I was a child because I remember coming here and watching all the shows. And you know, watching Batman and going, oh, that's so cool. And and to think that, you know, here I am right now working here it was just crazy. You know, I wish I could go back in time and tell my younger self, you know, if you keep working hard enough, you know, you'll be able to you'll be able to get here. Um, so that was a, that was a really great opportunity. But you know, once again, this was something very different to me. You know, as I said, I had a, a little bit of experience growing up. But this was on a professional level. This was so much different to what I was used to. And I'm a very physical learner. So I really learned a lot on the job here and being mentored by people like yourself as well. Yeah. That was exactly the right thing to say. <laughs> yeah. <in this> <laughs> I appreciate that. So uh, when, you, when you pull into Movie World and you've got this show, that's another high profile show that yeah. does demand a lot out of you. The, the doorway opens up into other characters and other roles. Mm -hmm, Can you tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about those and how they came about? Yeah, so uh, here at Movie World, obviously, we, we've got a lot of different events. Um, currently, we've got heroes and villains right now. So um, I, was I feel very blessed to be able to play a character like the Riddler mm. from Batman Forever. Um, I never thought I would have an opportunity like that before, and it made me realize my, my love for character work. Does that get daunting when you think about a character like that, which mm. is, it's known. So people yeah. have a sense of him, regardless of whether it's through the comic books or through the films or through the television series in the 60s, people have a knowledge. Mm. So when you put on that costume and you walk out into the park, you know there's an audience there that already has a preconceived idea of what that character is. 100%. So do you feel a little daunted about that? Or how do you, how do you approach that and make that character your own while at the same time keeping it true? Yeah. The idea that people have of him. Yeah, it's definitely daunting. I, I know that I spent a lot of time working on the character behind the scenes before going out into park. And I, and I still remember that day when I was walking out and doing my first ever run, thinking in my head, you know, once again, there's that, that kind of anxiety-filled internal voice saying, oh, I don't think I can do this or I don't think I've got this. But I know that I've put in the time and the effort because I wanted to, to do a good job for the people. It's interesting for performers spend a lot of time getting in their own way. You know, I often say to young actors, learn the lines then forget them. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't, you can't lose them. They'll stay mm -hmm. in the DNA and in the memory. So throw the lines away and yeah. now let emotions come through. Yeah. And let us, let us see you. And I think that's a very physical performance for yeah. Riddler. How did you approach that? 
Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I didn't realize, um, I guess, how similar I feel like to Jim Carrey, meaning wild, right. impulsive. So he was the baseline for that he, he incarnation. Was, he was the baseline yeah, for yeah, that. Yeah. And it's, it's so fun. Like, it is my most favorite character to play. Um, it is just a wild time. It is what I love to do, and that's go out there, be wild, have a good time, make people laugh, make people smile. So I, I feel like um, I kind of embodied the character in that sense only because of that kind of wild nature. Um, but I, I, I love it, and, and I love seeing the smiles on people's faces because it's such an iconic character. And I, you know, I, I really hope that when when I'm in park, that I can help show people that you know this is this is the Riddler character. You know, yeah. What's ahead for you from a performance perspective? If you have a bit of a look ahead in time and imagine what you'd like to be doing, do you have a picture of where you'd like to end up? Yeah, definitely. In in the future, I mean, I would love to keep doing what I'm doing in terms of a performance in a film. Um, kind of background. I, I love assistant directing on sets, yeah. you know, and you know, I love doing that kind of thing. I love, I love editing. I love working behind the scenes and I, and I also love performance based work. If I could do both for the rest of my life, you know, I would be happy, you know, a hundred percent. I want to keep going in this industry. I want to keep inspiring people. I want to keep, you know, making people smile. That's why I, I love doing what I'm doing is, mm. is the reactions you can get from people out there. Mm. You know, once again, it's, you know, during that show time, you know, you're giving a person that momentary sense of clarity of, you know, escapism. Yes. You know, you're giving them a moment to really enjoy and just completely space out from their normal day-to-day -day life. And I yes. think that's so special. You're absolutely right. What's the, when you, um, you take on these different roles, and you've got a bit of a picture of working behind the camera as you go forward. Mm -hmm. I've noticed uh, the very first time you popped into to my radar was during Fright Nights. We talked before mm -hmm. about the events that we have, and as you say, we're in the middle of Heroes and Villains at the moment that we're talking. But I remember being told that we've got a new guy on mic at the start of Fright Nights who'll be the host. And I'm always very particular about who's going out on mic. <laughs> it's just one of those things that I, I'm always asking the guys, you know, who, who's on mic tonight? Who's, who's opening the evening, opening the event? And they, they told me about you and they said, um, you know, he's, he's in this character we've created and it looks visually dynamic and it's just, man, okay, terrific. And I took a walk out on the street and I just listened to you from a distance. And I was genuinely blown away. And I remember coming back to you either on the first night or the second night and introducing myself to you and just saying how, how strong I thought that was, just in terms of character choice, intention, you know, your vocal dynamics, the, the pacing, the, the, there was no word overload, you know, it was, you had a good sense of word economy and everything was really solid. And I remember thinking to myself, this, this guy's got something going on. And you kind of stuck in my radar. So it's great to finally be sitting down and, and unpacking some of your story. I then got to see what you were doing if we could just jump out of the theme park laneway for a moment. I've got to see what you were doing outside with mental health. Yes. Particularly in young people. It comes up a lot when we're just talking like we are. There's a thread in you about, you know, finding your joy, being um, focused on being able to inspire people where you can. There seems to be that need in you and you were exercising that through your YouTube channel. Can you talk a little bit about that for just a moment? Yeah, 100%. So um, a big part of my life 
I've had a lot of a lot of downs, a lot of downs. So I'm a big um, a big advocate for you know mental health awareness. Um, that's where I that is where I truly stand. Um, so I've done I've done a lot of work on an online sense in uh, mental health. I've shot a documentary a couple of years ago called A Better Place: Depression and Anxiety Awareness, and that was the first ever project I worked on where it spoke about mental health, you know, which is, it's a topic that's so underlooked. These days, things are getting, you know, a lot, a lot better. But, you know, four or five years ago, it was, it was so important to me to, to get that message out. Because not only did I feel down in myself, um, I know a lot of people around me as well that were struggling. So I thought that it'd be really important using my passion for both mental health and film mm. to bring those two together and create a project that talks about something that is so underlooked, that needs to be on, put out there on a much wider scale. And the whole idea of it was to get rid of that stigma behind mental health. So we didn't just cover you know, depression, anxiety, we covered many other um, areas, but we got people from all different walks of life within Australia to talk about their own individual stories and give their advice. And I feel so thankful, so blessed that that particular project went viral Mm. and it ended up inspiring so many people to, if you are feeling a certain way, if you are feeling lost right now in life, that there is a positive way out, you know, and that's why we called it a better place. There is a better place. You know, right now you might be stuck, but there is a better place. You can get there. You know, whatever it might take, you can do it. Don't give up because mm. we all feel low sometimes. What were some of the keys, without going deep into yeah. your own personal story, but what were some of the keys for you that helped you navigate through into a, into a better place? Yeah, so for me, once again, it's, it's finding that happiness. Now, I, I know it's easier said than done. And, you know, I can't sit in front of you right now and saying, oh, I'm 100% happy because, you know, that's just not true. No, but what you, what you can do, though, is figure out, well, what is it that you love? What is it that you want to do? Or where is it that you see yourself? Okay, if, if money wasn't an issue, if time wasn't an issue, where do you see yourself? For me, that's a simple, that's a simple question. I, I love film and performing, mm-hmm. great. So if I focus all my time and energy on that, I can help alleviate some of those symptoms, some of that pain. When I'm, when I'm out there on stage, it's clarity. Mm. You know, and, it, and you become addicted to that feeling of, you, you, you have that clarity, that, that moment in time where you feel good. So we're almost saying here that one of the things that helped you forward was recognizing what is one of the things that I know I need to be doing that brings me yes. joy. Yeah. And that was almost rewiring the brain a little bit to say, well, 100%. why don't you put your attention on seeking out more of this? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Would that be right? Yeah, 100%. And then is it a case of compounding that? creating more opportunity, creating more of those experiences, you're never necessarily escaping all the darkness or the shades of darkness that might be around you, but at least you're allowing light in yeah. because you're chasing the thing that you know is at your core. A hundred percent, that's mm. right, yeah. And especially as well, you know, the film and, and performing industry, there is a lot of, there's a lot of down moments, mm. you know. It's a tough world. I didn't know who it was. It was an A-list Hollywood actor I heard in an interview some time ago yeah. that said the, a career in 
the arts is about, particularly from an acting perspective, is about constant humiliation mm, and mm. then regeneration. Being prepared to be completely humiliated and then get back up and do it again. Yeah. You know, we talked earlier before we started recording. Uh, I've had more auditions for work that I've lost than I've gained, but it's being able to know, okay, in that moment, that's, it's not my time for whatever yeah. reason. That phone's just not going to ring. But for some people, as you say, it is an industry that can be brutal. Yeah. And it does require a hell of a lot of resilience. Exactly. So to people that might be thinking of pursuing a career mm -hmm. in, 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 that, uh, in that industry, what would you say in terms of coping with those, those elements of rejection? <sighs> there, look, there is a lot that goes into it, but plain and simple is you have to stick to it. You know, if I could go back in time and tell my younger self to just hang like hang in there I, I i wish i could because i really beat myself down for a lot of my life and you know never thinking that you're good enough never thinking that you're going to make it you know never think that you know you're, you're going to be able to perform and do film on a regular basis and you know make a life out of it if you just stick to what you know like stick to what you love and what you're passionate about no matter how difficult it seems you will be able to get it. And that's why I've got tattooed on my arm here. And it says, don't let anyone ever tell you you're, you're not good enough. Because you will be told, you, 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 people tell you that a lot in this industry. You know, auditions or, or, or shows, whatever it might be. But if you keep sticking to it, and if you love it enough, you will get better over time. And that's exactly where I found myself. I started off not knowing anything. And then at least now, sitting here in front of you, being more comfortable. I still have a lot to learn. I still have a lot that I want to do, but I am, I'm in a better place than where I once was. So just stick to what you love and just never give up. That's terrific. I often tell particularly young people when I have the chance that you've been grain fed this belief that there's success and there's failure. Mm. And this is because humans love to measure and quantify what's simply an outcome so that we can stick a label on you. So usually people are living with a fear of success or there's a fear of failing. And I often will say to young people, you can banish that completely because neither exists. The only thing that exists is an outcome. So if I have a, an intention to take an action of desire, I will get either the outcome I intended or an outcome that surprises me. Mm. And if the outcome surprises me because it's not the outcome I intended, I get a free education. Yeah. Life will give me a free lesson to reflect upon and grow from. It may not be easy and it may be heartbreaking, but life will nonetheless give me a free lesson to meditate on and to re-hardwire myself and then move again toward the intended desire. And then eventually, through that mental, physical, emotional process, you will ultimately arrive at a series of outcomes of desire that will pleasantly surprise you. And maybe not surprise you because you were doing the work. But when you're free of the idea that it's impossible to fail, because I'll only ever get an outcome, that's liberating, particularly for young people, because a lot of it is this blocking sense of fear. I don't want to fail. I don't want to be told I'm a failure. Well, that's only because you've been grain fed to this idea that failure even exists. But it's essentially a label on an outcome. There's only ever an outcome, either an outcome of intended desire or an outcome that surprises you. Now, that's not as frightening as failing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, I mean, that's one of the things that I, I try and get across to young people, particularly looking for, a, forget this industry, just living. 
what's the worst that can happen? You'll get an outcome that surprises you is the worst that can happen. Yeah. What will that do for you? It may give you a hard lesson. It may give you cause to really stop and think. But nonetheless, it's just giving you a free education. And if you can pick through that and get wiser, you can move again toward an intended desire and hopefully find the outcome you intended on the other side of it. I don't know. I think it's ultimately that easy. But we get programmed with all this other noise that sits in us and it becomes, uh, becomes blocks inside of us. 100%. With your path forward in that, with filmmaking and mental health, do you still see opportunities down the path where you'd like to do more of that? 100%. I, I know for a fact that no matter where I end up in life, spreading mental health awareness will always be a main focus of mine. It is something that is so important to me. And I will take that with me wherever I go. I would love to create more content in terms of spreading mental health awareness. I, I recently started a, a YouTube series called Unmasked where we talk with everyday people from different industries, different walks of life about their own mental health experiences and what's their story and what was the outcome. You know, Where were they and where are they now? And what advice they can give to other people in similar situations. That is so important, you know. You, you have to look at this world as just be selfless. You know, don't, don't be selfish in the nature of, you know, we all live in this world together, okay? Let's, let's be kind to one another. Um, you walk past somebody on the street, a simple hello or a wave can literally save somebody's life. And it's true. You know, you have no idea what that person is going through. So if you say hello or you wave, you can make that person's day. You know, there are, there are so many internal demons that we take with us on a mm. daily basis. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you are in this life, okay? You're going to face something like that at some time. So creating content to help alleviate that and, and help um, spread advice on a topic that, you know, still to this day, a lot of people choose not to accept or, or mm. not give much attention to. So if I can even help one person or even help spread the littlest bit of awareness here and there. If I can inspire one person and make someone happy, then that, that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's, that's all it is. You know, we're, we're all friends here. We're all human beings. Like, Where would people go if they wanted to find the series you were just talking about? Yeah. Where would they Yeah, so, so if you go on YouTube, um, type in Unmasked, uh, mm -hmm. you'll be able to find a few episodes there. Um, this is something that I've kind of put on hold for a little bit, but I, I, I wish to uh, continue on with it. But there's a backlog of content there. Yeah. Unmasked yeah. with Andrew Cripps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, go go take a look at it. Um, you know, help other people. You know, that is, that's, that's the whole point of it. Even if it's, you know, if you're listening to this now and, you know, you kind of really resonate with that and... You know, you love helping people. It could even be as simple as creating a small little video a day or a video a week or a video a month and just inspire a group of people. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what it's all about. We've, we've got to be there for one another. Yeah. The best performers I've found, and I think most people would agree, are the ones that are able to tap into their authenticity and are unafraid, unafraid to be vulnerable. And consequently, then their performance is richer because they're not in the way of themselves. They're, they're unafraid. They're allowing themselves to bring those characters through mm. and, and channel them unapologetically. And I think that's what makes you a great performer. You're able to do that. And that's who you are at your core as you continue to evolve. Thank you for sitting down with me here Thank on Park you. Life. We've covered a lot of ground. I'm going to leave you with two more questions. Yeah. What still motivates you? What still gets you up in the morning? What still motivates me? 
it is that constant just passion you know it's no matter how hard life can get or you know no matter what's going on in your day-to-day life it's it's that passion for wanting to reach your goal and as i said i i feel like i was truly born with that idea in my head that this is what i want to do so no matter what gets in my way i'm always going to push through and want to keep being a better performer being a better filmmaker and make people smile as i said i am i love being able to get reactions out of people and I know what it's like to feel depressed. I know what it's like to feel down and be stuck in a rut. So when I'm out there, whether it's creating a a film, a documentary or a series or being on a stage, if I can help inspire people, then that's what I'm going to keep doing for the rest of my life. You know, that's what I feel like my true purpose is, is just giving people that clarity Great. Yeah. If you look back, and I'm sure there's a few, what's the proudest moment in your working life that you can think of as a first thought? As a first thought, the proudest moment would probably, yeah, be creating that documentary. Right. A better place. Yeah. It, it would be, you know, it's, it's something that I just, I remember one day I woke up and, you know, I, I felt down for a very long time and I said, you know what, I, I shouldn't have to feel like this and others shouldn't have to feel like that either. Mm. So... If I can help tell people my story and my experience and help teach people what I've learned, if I can help other people, then that's the best thing ever, right? I think um, Jim Carrey one day said this, this quote, I can't remember it off by heart, but it was, it was absolutely iconic. And, you know, going back to the whole money thing, you know, that's not the best type of currency, you know, helping people inspiring people that's the best type of currency is, is helping people that's mm. that's what i always go back to mm. at my core is helping people it doesn't matter if i um you know make a week's rent or something like that if i've made someone's day help somebody in a tough situation then that's the best thing you could ever do right <laughs> i'm with you yeah thanks for sitting down with me andrew it's been terrific to have you here on park life thank you so much michael appreciate it talk to you soon talk to you soon I hope you enjoyed this latest episode. You'll find Park Life on Twitter and me, Michael Croker, on Instagram at Mike underscore Croker. See you next time.